0: And I'm back from summer. Sorry, I was gone for so long. I had to deal with some stuff, uh, personal stuff. I haven't really had a good chance to come back and write and record an episode, but now I am. I found some time, and I'm back, ready to start. It's called like a preseason, preseason breakdown. So I'm gonna start with. Um, I'm gonna start with some of the contenders. I'm gonna start talking today about the teams that I consider the ten best teams in the NBA. And, you know, you guys can leave some comments, leave some thoughts. I'm going to try and get the next 10 later and then the worst 10 after. But we'll see. You know, we'll see. So the first thing I want to talk about, the biggest thing in the NBA summer, there's been like a theme of superstars being wanted to be traded. You know, the first one I'm going to be speaking about is Tyree Irving. He was traded for Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, the Brooklyn Nets 2018 unprotected pick, Ante Zizic, and the Boston Celtics 2020 second round pick. The first thing about this trade I want to say is that Kobe Altman has major cojones trying to take Boston for more than the original deal. If you didn't know, it was the same deal without the 2020 second rounder, So he didn't gain that much, but you still have to respect the fact that he said, no, I want more. I want more for Isaiah Thomas. Hmm. I mean, even as a Lakers fan, it's, it's hard to say that as a Lakers fan, and you respect like a Cavs move like that. Because you know, after that whole basketball reasons thing, it's it's hard to support the Cavs. But that was a really, really major move by a rookie GM who's been GM for what two months now. A lot of respect for that. Second, the deal is, this deal is an absolute steal. It's bonkers, a bonkers steal. If Isaiah Thomas comes back as good as he was pre-injury, but that's a big if. Let's be real. If he doesn't, if he comes back six, months from now and isn't able to get back in shape for the finals, and the Cavs took a massive loss. They might not even make the finals. LeBron probably leaves. Who knows what else happens? You know, LeBron probably leaves. Maybe uh, Thomas gets a better deal somewhere else. And they're left with nothing but a good Jay Crowder contract and a Brooklyn Nets pick. And maybe even Jay, Jay Crowder is even a system player. Maybe this maybe this is just a garbage trade and Jay Crowder never figures out how to play for the Cavs because he needs a strong system. I mean, look, he played for Rick Carlisle. He'll He played for Brad Stevens. He played very well for Brad Stevens, very well at the end of his tenure with Dallas for Rick Carlisle. Maybe it's all about being an assistant friend. Maybe he needs guidance to be good. It's funny, when this trade was first announced, no one was speaking about a shade crowd. Everyone was talking about Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving, the 60th pick for the first pick. What? And then everyone started talking about him way too much. Everyone was like, he's going to lock down Kevin Durant. He's going to play so good. He could start. He could this. He could he could that. He could this. He could that. He's not that good. He'll play eight minutes of small forward when LeBron sits. And 12 to 16 when Love sits. But he's still going to be a bench player. He's not going to beat out J.R. Smith to play to start at the two. He can't guard shooting guards. Everyone's been saying that. He can't guard shooting guards. He can't lock down Kevin Durant. I mean, he can guard Kevin Durant, but he can't lock down Kevin Durant. He won't be able to run. He's not an offense running kind of player. They still don't have anyone to run the offense when LeBron's on the bench because Tyrone Liu doesn't coach an offense. He coaches a LeBron offense, and we can't have Jay Crowder just stepping up and becoming LeBron. I mean, that would be great for Jay, for um for Jay if he could figure that out. But that's a big. That's would be huge. I don't think it's going to happen. See, after all this, really, the big thing the internet is forgetting about this trade. I say the internet, I'm talking about Twitter, I'm talking about the internet. 2018 first round pick. It's going to be great for a post LeBron rebuild or it could be flipped for a disgruntled superstar at the, at the deadline. Maybe Demarcus Cousins. You know, I don't know who else. Now that Carmelo Anthony got traded earlier today to the OKC Thunder. I don't know who else that pick could be traded for, but who knows? That pick's got a lot of potential for either a trade or for the future. I mean, look at the top. Let's assume that Brooklyn Nets outperform; they become a sixth seed this year, sixth from the bottom. They get the sixth from the bottom pick. That's still, that's still a that's a Bagley quality player. You know, top three right now is Doncic, Porter Jr., um, Ayton. You can still get a guy like Bagley at number six, and that's amazing. This draft is going to be so deep, well top heavy, but deep in terms of the top heavy. Who knows, who knows what the Cavs will do with this, but I think it's very good for them. I think they'll do some good stuff with this. Next is the Celtics side. This trade was weird for them. It took me a long time to really figure out what they were gaining out of this. The big thing is that they probably aren't very confident in Isaiah Thomas's ability to return and don't want to pay him once he does. They also clearly value Kyrie Irving as a franchise cornerstone, which I think is very fair. He's shown at all levels that he's a good, good player, ready to win, and a winning... You know, he won a championship, locking down Steph Curry. He's probably the best Steph Curry defender in the league. No one else guards Steph Curry better than Kyrie Irving, which is weird, because Kyrie Irving isn't a plus defender against any other point guard. Against every other point guard, Kyrie Irving is not a plus defender. Steph Curry, oh, he puts the lockdowns. He becomes becomes prime Tony Allen on him. <sighs> but this Boston team, this Boston team, you look at it, it's it's weird. You have one of your best seasons in a long time. You go to the to the Eastern Conference Finals. You take a game off of LeBron after losing your superstar. And then you trade four out of five starters and your sixth man. Yeah, that's weird. That's very weird. Their starting lineup this year was. Isaiah Thomas, Bradley Crowder, and Amir Oriorlinic and Al and Al Horford. Amir signed with the Sixers. Alenik got Al-Linik signed with the Heat. Crowder signed. Crowder got traded. Bradley got traded. Thomas got traded. This year's starting lineup is going to be Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward. And I really don't know who's going to play power forward. I think Marcus Morris is slotted in to play power forward, and he is so not a power forward. He is not a power forward at all. And Al Horford. I don't know what they're gonna do. I'm surprised they didn't try and get in on that. I'm surprised that they weren't able to get Dwight Howard. I'm surprised that they didn't decide, hey, maybe the move is to get Paul George and Dwight Howard for all these assets that we have, or Jimmy Butler and Dwight Howard and let Gordon Hayward not get come to us. But they they didn't do that, and now they've got a really weird constructed roster of no big men. I feel like Boston. I feel like for Boston, this trade was heartless. Absolutely heartless. You know, you want. I want to say, at first when I was writing that, I wanted to say lateral or a small step back. But honestly, all I can say is that this move was heartless. Isaiah Thomas left it all on the floor for your team. Played injured. Played after his sister died. Uh, lost a tooth in the middle of a game. And you pay him back by trading him. Really classy, Danny. Really classy. It'd be one thing if he was like a 36-year-old player who had played a long time for the for the Celtics. And you realize that you could get a great, great haul for him, a la Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Jason Terry. But that's not at all what happened. It's not at all what happened. He played for you guys for two, three years, had a breakout, resurgence, recruited Gordon Hayward, recruited players, was always talking about how great Boston was. And then you do that to him. I just, I don't really like, I don't get that. I I don't get how you can. How you can keep getting good free agents like that? If I'm Kyrie, I'm not signing an extension. Uh, if I'm Gordon Hayward, I regret signing with the with the Celtics. If I'm Al Horford, I'm taking every money, every dollar I have and cheering it to the bank because yeah, I got a lot of money. Yeah, and they don't have a power forward still. Really, just an all around weird move. Surprised they gave up Crowder. I imagined that he was going to be starting at the four this year. I imagine they would have valued that, but they... I guess they didn't. Now I want to talk about the Golden State Warriors, who have stayed very similar to last year, bringing back Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala, Zaza Pachulia, David West, JaVale McGee. And that's not it. That's not it. They added Nick Young, Omri Cospi, Jordan Bell, George's kneeing, and Chris Bouchard, Niening and Bouchard on two-way contracts, and they got Jordan. Jordan Bell has been already looking like the steal of the draft in summer league, and he's absolutely loved. He's become Draymond's know, sidekick, right hand man. He's spending all his time he can with Draymond, learning how to be mini dre which is insane. Imagine he actually becomes anything as good as Dre. Imagine you could keep. <laughs> I'm just saying this, it's ridiculous, I'm thinking about it. If he becomes really good at defense, a la Draymond Green, like he was in college. It's a ridiculous 4-5 combo right there. Draymond Green, Jordan Bell, mini Dre. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting if he lives up to his potential. Also, they got Chris Bouchard, who at the start of the year was projected to be a first-round pick. They got a guy who's supposed to be the first-rounder at the start of the year. And they signed him to a two-way contract. And that's also a guy from my city, so I realize I follow him a little bit. I'm probably gassing him up a bit, but his three point shot is money, and he's long as all heck. He gets a good NBA, some good NBA training for a few years. You might be looking at a real top level center. At very worst, I imagine he'll become a good backup and be in the league for a good while. But who knows? I feel like I don't have to go through all the retaining and explain why they're great. I mean, I don't think I even think I have to go through most of the new stuff. I mean, Nick Young and Omri Cosby, There's gonna be great three and D players. They're gonna really replace Ian Clark very well. I mean, what like what do you want me to say? What 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 can't what is there to be said with these guys? You know, Niang is gonna grow a bunch. What is there to say? He's got amazing fundamentals. If he can get some NBA speed on him, he's gonna be a force. I don't think I need to get into all the details, especially because it takes time away from when we could be laughing at the San Antonio Spurs, who signed a 37-year-old Pau Gasol to 16 million dollars a year for three years so that's until he's 40 years old they're gonna be paying him 16 million dollars a year on a fully guaranteed contract until he is 40 and get that money pal if you're getting a legacy contract i thought it'd be with the lakers but legacy contract with the spurs get it pal all applause like when he declined his option, I was thinking, okay, so he's going to be signing something like a uh, three year 30. So that way he tacked on an extra 14 million to what he would have made with the 16.4 million option he had. I didn't expect him to get 16 again and extend that 16 for three years. That's kind of crazy. That's some good, that's a great agent. I don't know who his agent is, but man, I wish I had his agent. I bet his agent could get me onto a, onto a training camp team. Spurs also signed Patty Mills for $15 million for four years. So that's from now until he's 33. That's not terrible. But, for, like, it's a lot of money to have invested in point guards. For an organization that everyone claims is so fantastic, never made a mistake, always making the right move. They clearly had a few missteps over here. Powell's gonna be making sixteen million dollars when he's forty, and I love Powell. That's a lot of money for a forty-year-old. And they're gonna be paying almost thirty million dollars on point guards this year. None of whom are serious needle movers. Tony Parker making about fifteen. Patty Mills making twelve and a half. And Deontay Murray, I think, making like three. That's thirty million dollars on point guards. But they did sign Rudy Gay, who is a really good player if he can return to form. And one very helpful, you know, returns to form because oh, I love a good league. League is better with a good Rudy Gay. And you know, you don't you don't want to see someone lose and their contract because of and end their end their career because of injuries. They also signed Matt Costello, former MSU player, who looks a lot like me from certain angles. So I'm very excited about that and want to see how he does this year. Yeah. Onto to the next one. One Texas team had a good offseason. And spoilers, it wasn't Dallas. It's never been Dallas. It never will be Dallas. It's Houston. They traded Chris Paul for Sam Decker, Montrezl O'Hara, Lou Williams, Patrick Beverley, a 2018 first-round pick, and a few <laughs> unguaranteed contracts. I spoke about this deal in the past, so I'm not going to go too crazy about it. But I probably still will because, I don't know, I'm on a podcast. Why not? One of my serious questions about this is when you just have one of your best seasons in recent history with Harden at point guard, why would you move him back to shooting guard? That's counterintuitive to me. That's counterintuitive to pretty much everybody. If you're playing him at point guard, Patrick Beverly was great as a shooting guard. You know, cover the the other team's point Like, I don't want to say great as a point guard because he still guarded the other team's point guard. So, but Larry Bird's definition of what your position is, which is, Larry Bird's definition is you are the position you guard. And Beverly was still the point guard. But Beverly was great off-ball shooting off of Harden's looks. That's... <laughs> you need a point guard like that. That's a great way to have a point guard next to Harden. Now is when you go and you capitalize on the extra money you're saving by getting a budget. A budget... Uh, I don't want to say budget, but getting like a very good compliment at point guard for a very low deal. You use that money... By getting someone great like Ryan Anderson at point power forward. Or not not Ryan Anderson. Surprised they didn't try to make a three team trade to send, take Ken and Love or something like that. I don't know. They could have tried something. Try to get Carmelo Anthony at the four, I don't know, but I feel like Chris Paul replacing Patrick Beverly. It's a marginal move forward. You're not pushing the needle as much as you should be with someone like, you know, at that position that you already had someone great at that position you don't need to focus on improving that position anymore obviously if they couldn't get anyone else yes chris paul is better than nothing but it looks like they almost could have gotten Mello, especially if they had some of those assets like decker and lou williams and a harrell yeah I don't know. maybe they could have had Mello then and then you'd be looking at a lineup of beverly beverly harden ariza Mello, capella I feel like that's better than Paul, Harden, Ariza, Ryan Anderson, uh, Capella. Whatever. I'm I'm not I'm not Daryl Morey. We'll still have to see how this season plays out. Chris Paul. The reason I don't like this Chris Paul at point guard is because Chris Paul loves holding the ball and James Harden loves holding the ball. They both love holding the ball and both can argue that their success is what got them there. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're both like, yeah, you know, it won't matter who holds the ball more. We'll figure it out. And then as the season goes on, they're both like, wait, I need the ball in my hands more. Chris Paul, because he's got a huge ego. And and I mean, rightfully so. He's, you know, by stats, he's one of the best point guards of all time. I don't believe that by stats is how you choose the best point guard of all time. But if you look at the stats, he's one of the best point guards of all time. And James Harden is one of the best players in the league right now. Surprised he, you know, he's got a great argument for why he should have the ball in his hands more. <sighs> um, yeah. Uh, the Rocks have made other moves too. Sorry, I just got lost. I got lost in the papers. sorry. The Rocks have made other moves too. They signed P.J. Tucker, uh, Nene Hilario, Luke Bamut, Tariq Black, and Tr- Troy Williams. P.J., Luke, and Troy are all good 3 and D wings, while Nene and Tariq are both good glass-cleaning bigs. The Rockets are looking good. They've got a good I don't believe they're good enough to get over the hump and challenge the Warriors, but I think if Harden is shooting well enough, maybe could they they could take a game off of them in the playoffs. I mean, you know, they're built for one thing. They're built for, you know, they've got glass cleaning bags, they're built for the future, they're built for what basketball is right now. You know, it's more evolved. Keeping with the red color scheme, let's talk about the Toronto Raptors. Rolling it back with the same core dude. They lost PJ Tucker and Tupac and Corey Joseph. But added CJ Miles, who has the potential to, to be better than all three of them. And it's time for Delon Wright to get some minutes. They haven't given Larry DeRozan Nobaca the Larry DeRozan Nobaca core a real show a real shot yet. They played about sixteen games together before the start of the playoffs. Hopefully they put it together this year and keep LeBron can give LeBron some trouble or knock out the Celtics. Their strong rebounding projects to give the Celtics a lot of trouble, but who knows how they'll play together. One thing I've noticed as a trend over the past few finals is that usually both teams then make it have the top coach, have either the top coach in the league or so much star power that they can make up for it. You go all the way back to 2000 and look up from there three straight Phil Jackson teams against two to four all star teams and the perfect San, San Van Gundy Orlando Magic. Then it was the Heat's dominance, Spo versus Carlisle, two top NBA coaches. Then, okay, she shows up with four all stars to play Spo's Heat. Then Spo pop. Next has been Kerr versus whatever LeBron and two other all stars. True all stars. Not talking about like. You know, a Ray John Rondo in 2008 or 2010. I'm talking about Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, guys who really looked like they were top 10 players in the NBA. You had arguments for being top, top NBA players before they were on the bronze team altogether against Steve Kerr's Warriors. The Raptors seem to be about one Valanciunas breakout for having four All-Stars. I so mean, this is the year they can finally make the jump. They've got a good roster this year, starting five of Lowry DeRozan, probably CJ Miles. Um, CJ Miles, Ibaka, Valentinus, Norman Powell off the bench. They've got a strong team that could really make some noise if they can actually put it together in the playoffs for once. But who knows? Who knows? Their window is closing slowly. The R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett classed forwards. They don't have the whole... So they're whole planning all the contracts to die when R.J. Barrett... Um, when it was R.J. Barrett's draft has gone. Who knows, man? Who knows? I really hope these raps work out. I think good basketball is fantastic for Canada. You can feel it. You can feel. I live in Montreal, and you can feel the passion that Canada has for basketball now that they have real basketball. Wherever you go, it's Raptors this, Raptors that. You go to Toronto, and it's just such a Raptors city. It's great. It's beautiful. You gotta love it. You like, really, I love it so much. Like I want to. I'm not even a huge Raptors fan. I'm a Lakers fan. But I'm not even a huge Raptors fan, and I would just, I want to get some a lot of Raptors gear and just wear it around Toronto just to feel like a part of it because it's like, it's that big there. It's huge there. Everyone's got like a Van, Vince Carter or a DeMar DeRozan or Kyle Lowry jersey. It's beautiful. Also, the OVO jerseys are so nice. All right, next contender I want to speak about is the Los Angeles Clippers. Yes, I called the Clippers a contender. They lost Bamut. Luke Richard Bamute, J.J. Redick, Chris and Chris Paul from their rotation, and added Pat Beverly, oh, and Jamal Crawford. Forgot and added Pat Beverly, Milos Teodosic, Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, Sam Decker, and Danilo Gallinari. I personally think that this Clippers team will be the be- best Clippers team possibly ever. And yeah, I know it's a big thing to say for a team that's got a seventy-year history or something like that, but the Clippers have been historically garbage. Never made it past the second round in their whole franchise history. Milos Tudocic is a fantastic ball handler. People used to call him CP3 of Europe. We saw him playing against an NBA cha- competition in the Olympics, and I bet he'll run a great offense in LA. More importantly, though, is that now Blake Griffin will have the ball even more now that CP3 is gone. Last time Blake Griffin didn't have to play a CP3, he finished third in MVP voting back in 2014. This team will be very deep, with a starting five of Patrick Beverley, Milos Tudocic, Danilo Gallinari, Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan with a bench rotation of Austin Rivers, Lou Williams, Sam Decker, Montrezl- and Montrezl Aljara. This team has so much more potential in depth than past Clippers teams, and having gunners like Danilio and Lou will really help them in the playoffs when taking the right shot isn't always the best shot. And I say this because Chris Paul's because of Chris Paul's disdain of taking bad shots, even when sometimes you need to take one. Sometimes the move is a one dribble, is one dribble penetrate, pull back jump shot sometimes that's just the move to get a bucket that you need when it's the playoffs and you need a bucket also Chris Paul wasn't a huge pace pusher when his team had athletes like Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan really I feel like they should have been playing with the highest with the highest pace in the league when you got these two super athletes in your front court that come back and are both amazing defenders you should really just be running the whole time but it's not how Chris Paul ran that offense I really feel like the Clippers team could be really good and the strong front, strong front court could give Golden State trouble, but I think at worst they'll be the best team in 2K. Next contender up is Oklahoma City, who just this morning added Carmelo Anthony alongside Paul George and Patrick Patterson. They only while only losing Victor Oladipo, Demantis Sabonis, um, Todd Gibson, and Doug McDermott. Paul George is going to be replacing Victor Oladipo in the starting lineup. He's an all-right starter who was a terrible fit next to Westbrook. And Patrick Patterson will be replacing Taj Gibson and Sabonis. He's not better than Taj, but his ability to spread the floor will be much more valuable than Taj Gibson's inside game. Same can be said when comparing his game to Ennis Cantor, who was also just moved. Yeah, I forgot to mention that Ennis Cantor was traded for Carmelo. Sorry. Carmelo Anthony also comes in, tr- in traded for Doug McDermott and Ennis Cantor, who will definitely be a better better at the four than... Excuse me. He'll be better at the four for these for the for the Thunder than either Taj Gibson or Cantor were. His ability to play off ball, as we saw in the Olympics, will really show. You know, I think I think if he just there's no way he decided to come to OKC if he didn't realize he was going to be taking a lesser role. Perhaps Paul George and Westbrook sold him on playing like he did during the Olympics. And if we get Olympic Melo during the year, watch out watch out. Westbrook managed to average a triple-double with te- teammates who could not hit an open shot. Imagine what he's going to do with teammates who can actually hit shots this year. His past year, the Thunder shot 32.7% from deep. I know, great. Which was good for 30th in the league. Paul George, Patrick Patterson, and Carmelo Anthony shot 39% on 6.6 threes per game. 37% on almost 3s per game and 36% on 5.7 threes per game, respectively. You should also expect both George and Mel's percents to go up now that they won't have to take as many contested threes, as they both have two other legitimate scoring options and people they can pass out to. They won't have to be taking as many contested jump shots because they will no longer be getting the best defender on the other team. These three new additions should give Westbrook much more room to operate with inside and a lot more space to throw lobs to all $25 million of Stephen Adams. This team looks like they can be really dangerous, perhaps even dangerous enough to compete with the Warriors. Westbrook covers Clay, Roberson covers Curry, George covers KD, Melo Andre, and Adams patrolling the paint, pretending to guard Zaza. They lack the bench depth to truly give the Warriors enough trouble unless their starting lineup meshes perfectly. But only time will tell how good this team can be. Another thing though, Sam Presley got some really bad contracts off the books this summer. Cantor looked like an overpay, Old Depot looked like an overpay. And he got rid of them both for Melo and Paul George, who both will be free agents in a year or two. It's kind of, even if this was just a salary dumping move, this would have been a good move. But instead he managed to get two All-Stars for a trade that would have been good if it was a salary dump. That man is a magician. All right, number nine. This is where I started having issues. Who is the ninth or tenth best team in the league? I figured there's, no, there's been no order so far, so I'm not going to say where I'm putting this next team, but I wasn't sure who the next team, two teams should be. It took me a lot of thinking to pick which one, and I wound up changing my mind on, one of, on my pick towards the very end, and I decided that I was going to take my friends, most my friends or my friends said, for the most common answer. So what mo- my, my friends' most common answer was, as the second one I'll be speaking of. So the most common answer I heard was Minnesota Timberwolves. The answer I have, I want to speak of. It's the Washington Wizards. I don't want to talk about the Wizards, but I'm going to talk about the the T, t-, t- Wolves first, because I don't know. I figured it would be a quick one to write. So let's see. For Minnesota, they added Jimmy Butler for Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and to move down nine spots in the NBA draft. They also signed veteran free agents Taj Gibson, Jeff Teague, and Jamal Crawford, while retaining Shabazz Muhammad. Their starting lineup now will look something like. Jeff Teague, Andrew Wiggins, Jimmy Butler, Taj Gibson, and Carl Anthony Towns with Tyus Jones, Jamal Crawford, Shabazz Mohamed, Nemanja Bielchka, I definitely, definitely butchered that pronunciation there, but sorry bro, and Gorgie Jang off the bench. This Wolves team might actually make the playoffs. I don't think they will, but you know, they might. At first look, this team looks like they'll be really good until you think about it for a little while. They have no defense in their big men. They have a completely overhauled roster. They That's a big one. A completely overhauled roster for a defensive-minded coach. When you've got an offensively-minded coach, it's not as hard to read to rethrow the roster. You know, the offensive sets will come. Defensive sets will come too, but usually for defense, it's all about chemistry. Offense, it's a lot of memory too. So a lot of memorizing where you, you know what the plays are, but defense is figuring out what your gu- what you need to cover up for your guys, which lanes you need to cover, what this, what that, what this, what that. That's a chemistry thing. That's a chemistry issue first of all. Being a good defender is about chemistry, and this team is all new players. Really, come of their first of the ten guys that I I named, one, two, three, four, five, five. 5, no, four. My bad. My bad. Four are new, and most aren't very good defenders. <laughs> really, all four of their front court guys are garbage defenders. I mean, Taj is all right, but Karl Anthony Towns is terrible. Chang is terrible. Bielka is terrible. I mean, who knows how good Taj Gibson's going to be this year either? He's getting old. Tim's teams always have a strong defensive identity. Last year they weren't very strong defensively, and who knows what they're going to be like this year? The Wolves lack good. They lack good defensive players other than Butler and Teague. I mean, you could argue that Wiggins will be all right if he covers, stays covering shooting guards, but who knows? Who knows? Man, Todd Gibson, you could argue is going to be good, but he really, he's old. He's getting, he's like thirty-five now or something. He's getting old. They lack, they lack, they also lack tradable assets to get a good power forward on the trade block from another team later in the season. They really, they can't upgrade. They're locked into this roster from now until the end of the year, which Depending on how, which, when the trade was first made for Butler, it looked like it was going to be good, but the rest of the West kept getting better too, and now it doesn't look so good. All right, I have to rip on them a little more. I, before anyone asks, the reason I'm ripping on the Timberwolves so much is I just couldn't stand their fans on Twitter anymore. They're always, always talking about, like, their team had already won a championship, like, their team's actually done anything but missed the playoffs for the last 12 years, I think. No, since, car- since eight years. It's an eight-year playoff drought or something ridiculous like that. And they're talking like, yeah, man, we, we made it. We made it. Or nine-year playoff drought. They were like, yeah, we made it. You know, our team is so good. Your team hasn't done anything. Wait until your team's done something before you keep start talking trash. Yeah, the T-Wolves, they also signed. <laughs> this one's really funny to me. They signed Jeff Teague to a fully guaranteed $57 million over a three-year deal. So it's $19 million a year, which isn't terrible for Jeff Teague. Yeah, he's a very good, good point guard. But George Hill, who I think is strictly better than Jeff Teague, got the same $57 million three-year deal, except the final year is only guaranteed for $1 million. Yeah, that that happened. George Hill got a worse deal than Jeff Teague. This, I, the reason this is funny to me is because the he will sign Jeff Teague at 12.01pm at the start of free agency to a deal that was obviously agreed upon before the start of free agency... Ie tampering. Yeah. So I don't I don't mind them getting a little bit of getting a little bit of crap after they were ta- a little bit of uh, trouble after they were they were tampering. I haven't said anything about Carl any times yet, other than that his ge- defense is garbage. But this isn't a league where you can be an offense only big man on a championship team anymore. The last time someone started on off started on offense. The last time someone started an offense principal or offense-only big on a championship team was MJ's final Chicago Bulls championship team, starring Luke Longley. Looking at stats. They both had the same 2.8 defensive win shares. But Longley had a defensive box plus-minus of 1.8, whereas carton Towns has a putrid defensive box plus-minus of 0.2. Now, I you know what you're thinking. If the T-Wolves aren't making the playoffs in the West, who is... Look at all this star power. They have to make it. Who who else could be making it? The teams that I see as a lock for the playoffs in the West, they're the Warriors, Spurs, Rockets, OKC, and Clippers. The five teams I talked about. And I think the teams that are going to be really fighting for it. Portland, Utah, New Orleans, Minnesota, Memphis, and the Lakers. Yes, the Lakers. I I see the, I see the bias. I acknowledge it, but I'm gonna keep talking. I I don't see Portland, Utah, or Memphis really missing the playoffs this year unless they have serious roster problems. And I know what you're saying. Memphis got so much worse. Utah lost Gordon Hayward. Portland, they haven't done anything to get better. How can you see them all making the playoffs again over teams like Minnesota and Denver and New Orleans? Well, Dame is a force. Damian Lillard is... One of the better best point guards in this league for a reason. He's going to force those Blazers into the playoffs. If he has to, by the skin of his teeth or whatever, he's going to keep working until he gets them there. He's not going to let them miss the playoffs. That's not the kind of player he is. Jazz, they're going to play mind-dumbingly few possessions. I think it's going to absolutely ruin some teams that like to run. Especially because Rudy Gobert, their defense is going to be insane. You're not going to be able to run fast plays into them because Rudy Gobert stops everything. Rudy Gobert doesn't let you into his paint. No one's going to get in there for easy layups. No one's going to get in there on the fast break. Teams just aren't going to be ready for them. They're just going to come in, they're going to be like, okay, yeah, the game's going to be slow, but they're going to they're gonna get bored. It's going to be so slow. I'm ready to see them play the Grizzlies and finish a game going, like, a 70-66 to 66 win for the Jazz or something crazy like that, you know? And the reason I refuse to bet against the Memphis Grizzlies, it's, kind of a weak reason i'll admit that they have a seven season playoff streak second longest in the west after the spurs third longest in the league and even though they lost a few key pieces they still kept the same two core pieces of marcus Saul and mike conley and i think that i don't i don't feel all right betting against that i don't feel all right getting, betting against that kind of streak mike conley and marcus Saul are straight killers quiet killers but killers they're gonna force themselves into the playoffs And really, I mean, looking up and down, I think that if any team's going to jump into the playoffs this year, it's going to be Denver. I'll talk about that in the next few weeks because people didn't want me to talk about them today, but I'll I'll talk about them later. Jokic is a monster, and I think that they're going to go. I think that if any team jumps in, it's going to be them. This last spot at first was hard for me to think of. That I realize it has to be the Wizards, just because of how few good teams are in the East. If the Wizards can sneak the third or second seed... They might have to face a team like Charlotte or Detroit in the first round, which should be an easy sweep for them. And then they'll be well-rested for whomever they face in the second round, paving an easy way into the conference finals, making them a contender in my books. The Wizards are going to be running a similar squad to last year, so there isn't much to talk about in terms of change. They lost Bojan Bogdanovic. They're paying Otto Porter to the max. They got Chris McCullough from Syracuse. He's a shooter, I think. Oh, they got Mike Scott and Jody Meeks. Yeah, they really didn't do much. Joey Meeks is a great shooter when he actually plays, but he hasn't done that since he was a Laker. And Mike Scott used to be a nice defender, but now he's getting kind of old. I don't know if he's still got it. Still, though, these guys took the Celtics to Game 7, and the Celtics had a very lateral loss season in the context of next season. They really don't need to add that much to be a threat to make it to the Cavs and see what they've got. There's a lot of uncertainty in the East with the Raps, Cavs, and Celtics all rolling with drastically new starting fives. And there's a good chance that having consistency in your lineup... Could be the major difference between the Wizards and the other three teams. I know it sounds like a load of you-know when I'm saying that, but I honestly believe that having consistency year-to-year is undervalued and could be what gets the Washington Wizards into the NBA Finals. And yeah, I know it's crazy to think that, Washington Wizards in the NBA Finals, but look at all the changes, look at all the moving pieces on all these teams, look at all these new players and new faces in the East. Is it really that hard to think that a generally a tough team that really doesn't struggle with injury issues because their player I don't know their players didn't struggle with injury issues last year and they were starting five I can see them going all the way to the finals. I mean I say I can I don't really I can't really imagine it but I say I can. All right. So uh, this is my first episode back. I'm happy to be back. Very right? happy to be coming to you guys from beautiful IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Uh, Thank you all very much for listening. Have a good day. Peace.